Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well here we are, we're thick into the uh, latest series on property core skills and we've got another one coming right up now. Uh, So this is um, content week, just me in other words. And uh, hopefully, all being well, we'll have a panel discussion. I say hopefully all being well, because it was planned actually for last week and uh, pretty much everybody (laughs) couldn't make it. So um, I'm hoping I can get that scheduled in, uh, in time to share with you next week. Uh, Wish me luck. (laughs) Otherwise, we'll have to come back to it maybe. So this week is all about managing and understanding people. And it's one of those things that you, you kind of just say, oh, you've got to be good at managing and understanding people. And then you start to really think about what does that mean? And um, it's quite a broad topic, as you can probably imagine. So uh, I, don't pre- you know, I don't pretend to be an expert. I'm not a psychologist. Um, my wife is in human resources, so she's very, very good at this sort of topic. So I pick a few tips and hints up from her as we go. I've got people who work alongside me. For example, Sue Whittle, the lovely Sue Whittle, who supports me on my, uh, the TPV Apprentice program. And we call her Softy Sue because she deals with all the softer side, which, as we know, is where the you know it's where it's really at. Actually, the softer side, dealing with people, is where it's really at. So um, I'm going to just talk about some some of the principles as I understand them, um, mainly from experience and mainly from stealing things from other people who've got bigger brains than me. So <clears throat> excuse me, my, my throat's a little bit clogged. So hopefully that doesn't uh, affect your listening too much. I'll try and keep it to a minimum. So when it comes to managing and understanding people, I kind of started to think about, well, what, how can I share? What, what does that mean? And it really breaks down into three things as far as this you know, agenda is concerned. So first one is literally understanding people. But understanding people also includes ourselves. And I think the best place to start is to understand ourselves. If we understand ourselves, then we can start to understand other people. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Next bit is all about managing people. So that's uh, usually, I'm going to to try and break that down into dealing with key stakeholders and dealing with key uh, principles. So we're going to come on to that in a second. And the third area, I guess, um, to be somewhat useful is, you know, managing some difficult situations. How can we perhaps navigate through some of the difficulties that inevitably will arise that we have to work, work through? So I'm not saying this is necessarily comprehensive. <laughs> I'm not saying that the, this would be an academic uh, exercise. And I'm just going to talk about you know, some of the principles in these three broad categories and, and maybe some of the ways that I've dealt with things. I've got, I've got some notes prepared. I don't have a lot of case study examples prepared. So if I, go start, if I start wandering off, um, it's not prepared. <laughs> okay, so let's see how it goes. I want to get the content out. I want to get the principles out. And if we start wandering into, you know, specific examples uh, from my own experience, then, hey, let's see how that goes. <laughs> okay, so the first section was understanding ourselves and other people. And I think 
there's some key principles here that I'd like to talk about. And really, as I mentioned, it's about understanding ourselves first. I've worked with people um, you know, quite a lot on the apprentice program, and it's quite a holistic view that we have. So we talk about having property goals and a property business plan. That's pretty hard stuff, right? You know, it's about money, it's about what we're gonna do, it's about strategy, you know, those sorts of things and goals. But equally, we talk about the, you know, the softer side, the, the more holistic side. Um, and because I don't think you can actually have uh, any kind of business interest or financial interest or even career interest without knowing and understanding what it is you want yourself um, out of life, actually. So um, that's where I start. So right at the very beginning is to start with understanding and identifying and doing some work on uh, our purpose, goals and values. And I guess this would be uh, an easy way to say that would be our why our what, our when, and our how. Um, so the, um, the purpose, of course, is our why. Why do we do what we do? What do we, what do we want out of life ultimately? Now, I guess if you're um, 18 years old, you might not know what you want when you're 80 years old. So I get that, you know, this can, can emerge, can change over time. And I think people go through phases uh, of life you know, stages of life and our purpose can, you know, evolve and change as we go through those stages. But I think, you know, perhaps we do have some common core purposes uh, or, or a core purpose ultimately. So for example, in my own case, I would say that sharing my, sharing my knowledge um, is, is my core purpose. It's why I do a podcast. It's why I, I sit down every week and, and uh, share with you. Um, it's, it's, you know, and, I, and as I look back, as Steve Jobs says, you can only join the dots, <clears throat> excuse me, you can only join the dots looking backwards. I've identified that I've always done that in some way, shape or form. It doesn't matter what my career choice has been. It doesn't matter what my job or business has been. I've always shared my knowledge with other people. So um, I've identified that at the sprightly age that I am as being my core purpose. And so I, I plan a lot of what I do around that now in a soft way, but I also have a goal, um, a goal to leave a legacy, uh, to leave a legacy that will outlive me and that will support people who are perhaps not as uh, fortunate as me. So that's my second purpose, if you like. So sharing my knowledge and leaving a legacy to help uh, others beyond me is my example. But, you know, what's important to you is, um, is the key point. Then we have goals. Now, you know, people talk about smart goals where it's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-based. You know, it's got a, for me, it's got a number and it's got a date. It's a goal. Okay. So, um, and then I tend to look at sort of short range goals, you know, typically a one year goal, which we can break down into milestones, of course, you know, as we build up throughout the year. And then what I like to call a someday goal. Now I use the phrase someday goal because um, someday could be fairly short term for some people, but it could be a very long way off for others. So that's why I call it someday. And then values. Now values is how we do things. It's, it's who we are as people, what matters most to us. In fact, there's a book, What Matters Most, um, that I recommend that perhaps you pick up in this section. So we, we need to start by understanding ourselves and start with our purpose, goals and values. What do we want out of life? Question mark. What is the why, what, how and when? And then the next step really is to look at our skills and experience. And that's our CV, our curriculum vitae, our track record, if you like. And that will encompass things like our um, education, um, our career and business experience, for example, 
and, and, and other sorts of training that might have come along the way. So this is kind of formal skill sets, formal experience that we've had um, that, that you know, is another foundation or, or building block in understanding ourselves and the direction that we could take because where I'm going here is the direction that we could take should be should come from knowing ourselves and you know our own capabilities and our limits, uh, which as you're going to see is how I'm building this particular model, I guess you call it. So we've got our skills and experience, usually from education and the, and our business or work environment. The next thing to consider is our strengths and weaknesses. Um, we're good at some things, we're not so good at other things. Just been watching the Olympics and, you know, I'm absolutely blown away, by the way. Fantastic achievement from Team GB. Um, congratulations to them um, to match the medal hall from London um, is amazing. So um, especially this year. So they've done a fantastic job and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a really big you know, fan of the Olympics, as you might have heard from the past. Or you've ever seen me do um, uh, some sort of... Um, Zoom call, I've got lots of Olympic <laughs> memorabilia dotted around my, my office, so that's important to me. And you know, I always get a lot of inspiration from that. But equally, you know, <clears throat> someone who's good at track and field is not necessarily good at swimming. Um, somebody who's good at gymnastics is not necessarily good at boxing. So you know, it's understanding our strengths and weaknesses, what our capabilities are, and what our restrictions are. And I just wanted to signpost to, to um, there's something called Gallup, uh, was a strength finder, two pots, two pots. 2.0, 2.0, Strengths Finder, or Strength Finder 2.0, and Gallup did that. And it's something you can pay for, and it identifies you know, some of your core strengths. There's a couple of levels you can look at there. Um, if you need a bit of help, uh, obviously you can do that by just creating a list of your strengths and weaknesses. You can ask other people. You don't necessarily need to pay for uh, a Strengths Finder exercise, but if you want to go the extra mile, there's something for you. So after our strengths and weaknesses, we've got our personality and our character traits, if you like. Now, a lot of people go, kind of go through life not really formally understanding themselves using things like psychometric testing. Well, psychometric testing helps to you know, crystallize some of who we are, our, our character traits, our personality traits. One of the, one, there's several actually out there you can do. Uh, one of the most... Um, Famous, if you like, or famous, established, yeah, established and science-based ones is the is what they call MBTI or the Myers Briggs Type Indicator. Um, so you might have heard that, and that really measures you on a scale of introvert and extrovert, sensory, and what's the other one? Gosh, <laughs> probably tells you about mine. Uh, sensory and uh, thinking, I think it's. I can't remember now. No, it's not that. But anyway, so the MBTI is something you can do. You can do a free test, and you can do a formal test if you like to understand which one of the 12 personality types is, uh, you, you might be. And then there's wealth dynamics. There's something that um, I use quite a bit. Uh, bring Sue in and we do some uh, psychometric evaluation using the wealth dynamics um, uh, test, if you like, and that breaks people down into a number of different areas. These are all tendencies, okay? So nobody is just, you know, one in 12. We're not all, you know, this in fitting into a box. We've, we've got primary and secondary, you know, types. We overlap. We've got, you know, a, a sense of degree. So it's, the, the, it's not black and white, the shades, shades of grey. But it's very interesting to do these types of uh, tests. And one more I'll signpost you to is what I call the, or what is known as the big five personality test. So that's uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, psychologists use that as well. The big five personality test. So there's three I can signpost you to. But understanding ourselves and our personality is really important, and um, it makes a, it makes a huge difference.
But besides, you know, our purpose and our skills, our strengths, our personality type, um, what do we want? <laughs> what do we like and what do we dislike? What do we want to do? What do we not want to do? What are we prepared to do and what are we not prepared to do? I like to talk about the non-negotiables sometimes. Non-negotiables are things that we just, we can't, we must do. Either must do or must not do. It must be, it's a must. So I think it's important to understand what, what are we prepared to do and what are we not prepared to do? What do we want to do? What do we not want to do? So that's things like if you want to be an investor, do you want to be a hands-on landlord or do you want to be a hands-off you know, investor? That's an example of a like or a dislike or a preference if you want to put it a different way. So I suggest, you know, start to, you know, this, this sort of process that I'm talking about now is best done through some kind of immersion. Um, you know, spend some time doing it, rethinking about it, um, allocate some time, maybe go away for a weekend. Um, you know, if you want to do it on your own, it's something we spend over a hundred days of the first mm, 30 days of the, of the hundred day apprentice program that I run kind of focuses a lot on this area. So, you know, you spend some time, really think about this and really understand yourself. And, and I think the other thing to make uh, a point of here is that, you know, we're, we're, we're human, okay? That's a pretty ob obvious statement. We're human. So we have mental, emotional, physical, and emotional. I've said emotional twice. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to do that. Spiritual was the extra one I meant to, uh, meant to add there. Uh, so mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. So it's, it's really helpful to understand ourselves in that context. And once we do understand ourselves in that context, you know, which is about being holistic, we need to be balanced as well. So it's not all work and no play. And, you know, we need to take account of our overall well-being, whether it's mental and emotional well-being or physical well-being and our spiritual needs, as well as just looking at, you know, business goals and financial goals, for example. And um, I've done, I've reinvented the wheel I've mentioned before. I've got something, uh, well, there is a tool called the Wheel of Life, and um, I've got one on steroids, basically. So if you're interested in that, uh, every year I do an, an exercise on the Wheel of Life. In fact, I actually revisit, try to revisit it more than once a year. It's, it's quite a process. Um, there's about 12 different categories to self-evaluate and then make some uh, plans to go forward and just see how balanced you are. Uh, anyway, drop me a line if you'd like to see my version of the Wheel of Life, but there's also other versions out there. So go, go dig and you'll find it. And then, of course, we've got um, personal growth and development. So I like to talk about business growth and development and then personal growth and development. Now, business growth and development is all about what does our business, you know, our property business, what does it need to do to succeed? So that might not actually be what we need to do to, to, to succeed. It's just what the business needs, uh, which is a bit of a clue um, to, to how we run businesses. We don't necessarily have to do everything ourselves. Um, but let's focus for a minute on personal growth and development. And some of the principles that I, I certainly subscribe to are continuous personal development. So lifelong learning, in other words. So lots of people get through education, whether it's leave school, leave college, leave university or whatever, and then kind of stop uh, from an education point of view. Well, education doesn't have to be formal education. It doesn't have to be academic education. It could be workplace education. It could be, um, you know, courses that we take to supplement uh, or, you know, professional qualifications, for example, or vocational training or, or just basically 
hunting around YouTube, <laughs> all right? That is still continuous learning and development. The whole multimedia thing, I like to read personally, but I know a lot of people like to watch videos. Some people like to get you know, stuck in and touch things, be you know, kinesthetic learning as they call it. Um, so, you know, have this multidiscipline, multimedia, multi-channel approach, but I would suggest subscribing to an attitude of lifelong learning or continuous personal development. And then we've got understanding other people. So all of what I've just talked about, those first sort of seven bullet points, that's how many I've just been through, <laughs> um, it's about understanding ourselves. But when we come to understanding other people, all of the above also apply. Now, we can't necessarily ask someone to do a big five personality test or, you know, we can perhaps get a CV. But um, we, what I'm getting out there is that um, we're all human, we're all complex, and a lot of what goes on with us is hidden. And I like to call this the iceberg effect. So of course, with the iceberg, we've got something above the surface and then we've got a lot below the surface. So we can't always see what's going on below, below the surface. And a lot of what goes on be below the surface is some of the stuff I've been speaking about, you know, things like our values and our likes and our dislikes and our preferences. So, um, you know, but I just want, you know, it's a statement of the obvious that in order to understand other people, first of all, it'd be helpful to understand ourselves, and second of all, it's not necessarily easy or obvious to do that. Um, so if you want to go a bit deeper in this area, I suggest looking at things like um, archetypes um, and human needs and then values analysis or values assessment. Now, we, we can pick up clues um, from other people. Well, I mean, obviously, you can look at that for yourself. But in terms of looking at other people, you wouldn't necessarily, necessarily you know, put a form underneath their, um, their nose and say, fill that in. But you, there are clues by undertaking these sorts of evaluation of how you can then assess other people. And often you can observe and you can ask good questions. People reveal a lot in the way they communicate actually as to what's important to them. And if you listen carefully, they'll often tell you what their needs are. They'll tell you what their values are just by the way they speak. So um, there you go. So I, I don't want to get too far into this topic, otherwise it could be a degree course on, on understanding people. But I think the, the key point is understand ourselves, spend some time on that, you know, invest in yourself um, to get a foundation, get an understanding. I call it, um, actually, I forgot what I got, baselining. That's what I call it, <laughs> baselining. So get a baseline, understand who you are, where you are, what you want out of life and where you want to head to. And then obviously you'll be, you'll be better placed to move away from self-reflection and start to think about looking and working with other people. And, and that will just make you more aware and more conscious and it's going to help when it comes to managing people, which funny enough is the next topic. So in terms of managing people, I kind of broke it down um, into two sections. We've got key stakeholders and then we've got key principles. So in terms of key stakeholders, when it comes to property, let's just bring it back on topic, when it comes to property, I think we've got, you know, uh, potentially um, staff that we might have working with us. We might have contractors that we might need to engage in. We might have service providers such as letting agents or finance brokers, for example, that we need to, to engage. Um, we might have investors that um, sit alongside us. And then we, this is a bit of a hidden one. A key stakeholder is some, someone who's got a, a vested interest in our business um, or um, we serve in some way through our business. And the other one is family and close friends. And um, often that gets overlooked because they, they, one, they want something out of what we're doing potentially. And two, they may be impacted or affected by what we're doing. 
So I think it's important to include family and close friends. So think about our key stakeholders and, and think about being inclusive. Okay, the word inclusive. So think about how all of these people are included within our business, but how we can include them in how we go forward and what their needs are, what their interests are. So the stakeholders have a, an important part to play and we therefore have an important part to play there. So I would say just keep, have a focus on our stakeholders because we're not islands, okay? We, we operate in, in, you know, in relationships with other people and those stakeholders are what I suggest. Are some of the key ones, if I've forgotten any, or if you want to add any, that's absolutely fine. And the, the second area I want to talk about is some key principles. So I'm not a management you know, guru. There's plenty out there that are, you know, Jack Canfield, for example. Uh, I really like the writings of Stephen Covey. You know, there's, there's lots of people that we can um, look to if you want to dig deep into this area. So I just want to talk about some key principles that I've kind of, well, I've kind of pinched from other people or um, I've observed, really. And there are these, there's five of them. The first one is to have a vision, goal, or objective. Well, that's funny because that kind of goes back to what I said earlier about understanding ourselves with our purpose, our goals, and our values. Well, if we've got, if we have a, this is from a property business point of view, if we have a vision, goal, or objective, um, that's the first thing to be mindful of. So we know what we're aiming at. And of course, if we know what we're aiming at, we can also communicate and articulate that, funny enough, that's going to be one of the next points, um, to other people who are engaged with us don't necessarily have to go, my goal is to achieve, you know, financial independence within five years with a you know, monetary target of this and this date to achieve it. Don't necessarily have to say that. But you can say, this is my objective. You know, I'm looking for you know, rental properties that are capable of delivering this sort of return at this sort of um, timeline of this sort of investment level. Yeah. So then you can articulate, which kind of brings me to the second point, because the next key principle is about communication and decision making. So we need to be able to articulate, you know, what we want you know, we, uh, from other people, but we also need to be able to listen and understand what other people want as well. One of the key principles of managing people, communication. Um, I guess maybe this is drifting off into more the unplanned, you know, personal story area, but um, I do remember that um, I'm, I've been married twice, okay? So this is a, I don't mind sharing that with you, but trying to sort of work through my first marriage and work on some of the issues there, we went to see a uh, marriage counselor. And, you know, she starts talking about communication being the problem. And previously, I've worked in business consultancy. And, you know, they talk about, oh, the problem in the workplace is communication. And then you talk about uh, some sort of conflict resolution, uh, whether it's a legal dispute or a, uh, you know, employment tribunal or something like that. And often, guess what? The problem is communication. So there's no prizes here. Communication is one of the areas that in managing people falls down. The most. So if we get good at communication, communication rather, um, chances are we'll, we'll be, you know, we'll have greater success. So that's that. <clears throat> the second point is decision making related to communication. Decision making. So if uh, we need to be clear and transparent and timely in our decision making, uh, take a decision and move forward. And, um, you know, that, that's one of the principles as well, but, you know, to be successful in this business is to be able to take these decisions. And they say, you know, um, well, that's it. Just, just do that. The third thing is kind of on the human level. So it's connection, trust, and empathy. So this is the third key principle. So we're human. Humans like connection. Humans like, you know, to have that interaction. You might not think so with some people, 
but deep down they do. <laughs> okay, They might not need as much connection or as much words <laughs> exchanged, but they need connection. They need to be understood. It's a basic human need. I want to be understood. I want to be listened to. And if we understand that and how they want to be listened to or understood, it's going to make us more effective. And the word trust is an important one here. So trust is, is two-dimensional. We need to give trust and we need to be trustworthy. And I suggest we start with the second. If we're trustworthy ourselves, we're likely to attract the right sort of people around us. And equally, we need to give trust to other people. Um, none of us are perfect, and people will make mistakes. And if you're too much of a control freak or a micromanager, um, you're going to destroy some trust, basically, along the way. So you've got to learn to trust people, but without losing control uh, and being reckless, of course. And empathy. You know, empathy is basically being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. It's not, being, it's not sympathy. That's something quite different. Empathy is just to be able to understand the other person, where they're coming from. So if, we, if we're good at connection, trust, and empathy, uh, we've got a good start in terms of managing people. <clears throat> the fourth point is motivation and discipline. So motivation um, in terms of managing people is to be able to, you know, get people to do stuff effectively, okay? Uh, including ourselves, by the way. We, we need to be self-motivated, first of all. Uh, and then also we need to be, uh, be mo you know, help motivate other people to act. And, you know, people talk about carrot and the stick, but it's a little bit outdated. Uh, I think it's all about you know, understanding them, understanding their needs and, you know, having a common goal and a common vision and then encouraging people to take the responsibility uh, to, you know, be, you know, act, if you like, in line with that. And obviously you might need to do some correction along the way and give feedback along the way, but motivating people to act is going to be another success principle. And discipline. Um, discipline in this context means, it doesn't mean giving people a telling off. <laughs> it means um, having a, a routine, having habits, um, having plans. And, um, you know, this is going to be in business, in any kind of business, property included. It's great to have that. You know, in, I remember I worked for Microsoft at one point. They always talked about the rhythm of the business. And really, it was a cycle. It was an annual cycle. Uh, there's probably a longer term cycle with the senior echelons. But um, what we were aware of is an annual cycle. And, you know, you, you kind of start with a, a major planning process for the year ahead. Then you go into it. You have a review process. You have your targets, your KPIs that are cascaded down. They're all measured and reported on a regular basis. And then you course correct as you go. So um, it's pretty simple. But, you know, discipline here means routine, habit, plans. So it's good to have that in place. And that goes hand in hand with motivation, I suggest. And then the final point is um, accountability and delegation. Okay, right. Okay. So first of all, we can't do everything ourselves. So we need to delegate. Delegate. So there's the old adage, you know, do delegate and out, you know, ditch. Um, you know, they're the three principles. What What are you going to do? What are you going to give to somebody else to do? What are you not going to do? Um, and, they are, and, and obviously, you can outsource things. You can have a team of people that can work alongside you. If you try to do do anything for any length of time in this business all on your own, you're going to get burnt out. <laughs> okay. So we need the you know to have the ability to delegate um, tasks to other people. But the key word is accountability. So even if we delegate the responsibility, that's you're going to do this, okay? Yeah, we agreed you're going to do this. Yes, okay. When are you going to do it by, do it by then? Okay, cool. So we're agreed. Yes. But the accountability still rests with us. It's our business at the end of the day. So if somebody lets us down, we're still accountable. And I think once we wake up to that fact, it's going to make our life a lot easier. 
Because instead of moaning and complaining, perhaps about somebody letting us down, yet again, by the way, it happens all the time, we need to retain accountability. And we need to, you know, follow through with those people, make sure they do what they do, you know, come up with an alternative plan if they, if they can't do it on time and those sorts of things. So we must always retain accountability is my suggestion, even if we delegate to other people. So there's some of the key, uh, there's some of the key stakeholders to think about in the business uh, when it comes to managing people and some of the key principles that I suggest. So I've tried not to wander off too much because I'm just quite conscious of the time. Um, there. So we've got then the third area. So we've, we so far, we've talked about managing ourselves and others. Um, and, and, sorry, not managing, understanding ourselves and others, managing others, uh, managing people essentially. And then this third area, I kind of want to talk a little bit about managing difficult situations. So um, yeah, <laughs> difficult situations will arise. And I, I will talk about it later, but it's natural. So expect it basically, but uh, I'll come back to that. So in terms of property, some of the typical prob problems and challenges that we perhaps face in property revolve around three main areas, let's say. Um, I dare say there's more, but that's what I want to talk about. So the first one is, the, is, a, is property challenges themselves. So that's whether it's an actual property, our portfolio, or a project. Well, we talked about managing projects and portfolios and properties in a previous uh, session. Um, now, that could be direct or it could be indirect. So it could be people, you know, things related to our property, uh, for example, uh, that could cause the problem. So a tenant living in a property is sort of related to a property. I know it's going to merge with a people problem, but, you know, it's related to the property. That's what I'm getting at. Fin you know, properties are very financially intensive um, uh, sector. And so financial challenges are put there as a, as a separate point. And then people challenges. Now, we've been talking a little bit about people already. And so, you know, understanding ourselves, understanding other people, being able to manage other people is going to help with some of the people challenges. But, you know, we, we don't always have full control of the people that are around us. Like I say, a tenant, tenant decides to not pay the rent, tenant decides to, you know, destroy the place. By the way, this is a minority I'm talking about. I don't want to cast aspersions against all tenants not paying rent, all tenants sort of damaging property. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm just talking about the challenges. So obviously the challenges are not necessarily 100% of the time. And in terms of financial, we need to um, be prepared to deal with financial challenges. We need to raise money. Sometimes we need to, um, we've got a project that runs uh, over budget or over time. And sometimes we, um, we're, we're struggling to raise the, the funds to, you know, reinvest or uh, something happens in the property, like the boiler breaks down and then we need to replace it. And that's unexpected or unwanted. By the way, it should be expected at some point, just, just by the way, good principle there. Um, and, and in fact, that's, that is the principle, you know, expect the unexpected sometimes or expect the expected actually. Now, these things are going to happen. So many times I do a portfolio re review with people and I ask, have you made any provision for voids and maintenance? And sometimes the answer is, well, no, because I've had a tenant there for two years. So there's no voids or no, because I haven't had any maintenance problems. And then lo and behold, you know, a year later, they start to have things break down and maybe that tenant moves on and go, okay, good idea to make some provision for that, isn't it really? So, um, Managing difficult situations breaks down into sort of property, finances, and people. So have some consideration, have a plan, and have a, uh, a fallback or a contingency in things, you know, in case things don't go well. So I have some plans around those areas, and I think about what you're going to do if things don't go quite according to, the, to plan in those three areas. But some specific uh, difficult situations 
I was doing a little bit of reading just before uh, I came on air to talk to you. And uh, I was like, well, man, you know, dealing with uh, conflict in the workplace was something I, I looked up. And I saw that there was, um, there was a study somewhere that talked about managers in the workplace spend 30 to 40% of their time that's it, at work as a manager dealing with some kind of conflict. And that was quite a surprising statistic, you know, kind of a, between a third and a half, uh, well, just over a third of the time managers spend at work is dealing with some kind of conflict. Well, let's just say, what is conflict? Well, conflict is, is a disagreement at heart. That's what it is. It's a disagreement. It's where two people see things differently. And if you think that we've just spent all this time talking about understanding ourselves, understanding other people, and recognizing that we're all different, we're all unique, actually, then it's understandable, isn't it, that we're going to disagree on certain things. So expect that. <laughs> it's natural that we're going to disagree with people, and people are going to disagree with us. So once we get over that uh, idea, well, why can't people see it the same way as me? Because they're different. <laughs> we're all different. So that, you know, expect it to happen. It's natural. So don't get bent out of shape. If somebody disagrees with us, you know, somebody sees it differently. Don't get bent out of shape. You know, kind of learn to go with the flow a little bit. And then we'll start to relax. And then we'll start to, you know, probably deal with conflict situations a little bit easier. The next area really talking about difficult situations is... Um, it's all about expectations, and I'm really guilty of this. Um, I used to have a lot of expectations of other people. Well, we can't control other people, okay? That's the first thing to say. We have no control over the next person, really, especially not in a democratic society. Maybe in some other you know, parts of the world, that, that is more you know, uh, uh, apparent, let's say, but definitely not in, uh, in the UK and, and most Western uh, you know, societies. So people have different expectations. Uh, they have different interests. And they have different assumptions because we're all different again. So um, you've got to reconcile these differences. And, and the best way to reconcile the differences is to try and find common ground. So that's what I've learned. So, yeah, yeah, okay, you see it that way. I see it this way. You know, you say tomato, I say tomato, but we're both speaking English. Yeah. So that's the common ground. So find the common ground with the person and then you'll build that connection that I was talk talking about earlier. And um, I think the other thing that I've learned, again, more recently with regard to communication is to practice direct and, uh, uh, sorry, direct and assertive communication. So let's start with the second point, assertive communication. Um, you know, there's, there's three types of communication, apparently. There is passive, there is aggressive, and there is assertive. Now, passive is pretty much, oh, you know, oh, that's, everything's fine, everything's cool, you just say it that way, you don't really speak your mind, you kind of let things happen, but inside, you're not feeling good and you go away and you think i'm not happy about that but you didn't actually say anything you just kind of went with it that doesn't help you actually doesn't help the other person either by the way but you're not really speaking up you're definitely not being direct in your communication because you're not actually saying what you really mean and then the other end of the scale you've got aggressive uh communication it will be done this way blah 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 and uh, you know that's uh, obviously you know you try and tell people it will be done this way too often, and let's just see how effective that's going to be. Now there could be I'm not sure if there is ever a need for aggressive communication, but usually aggressive communication comes out of unmet needs. So if we understand unmet needs, perhaps we can understand somebody else who's been aggressive communicating with us, um, and equally we can think, hang on a minute, why am I feeling aggressive? Why am I going to talk in an aggressive way? What needs of mine are not being met? So 
But there's a middle ground, which is assertive communication. Assertive communication is just say, is basically to say, yes, this is how I'm feeling about this situation. This is what I'd like to have done with that. Thank you. Or, um, yeah, I know that you're asking me to do this, but actually that's not going to be possible right now. Would it be okay if you know, we could set a, a new timeline? Or would it be okay if we don't do that? So that's kind of just assertive communication. It's putting our needs front and center, but without being aggressive and without hiding behind a passive, passive aggressive, if you like, uh, way of communi communicating too. So the direct communication is basically putting ourselves in, I feel this, I think this, um, that kind of communication style, and uh, find common ground, and hopefully we can start to, and, and not have our expectations. It's very difficult because we're human. Ah, well, I expect this to be done by this date. Well, you know, check, is that what the other person expects? Can you agree on that? <laughs> and we are all different. We do have different interests. There you go. The third area is um, you know, dealing with feelings versus dealing with facts. Now, um, hit, spoiler alert, we've all got feelings. Every single one of us has got feelings. So when we're trying to deal with the facts, we've sometimes got undercurrent of feelings going on. And you know, we need to be aware of that. So, uh, well, you said you'd do this by this date. Well, you know, I haven't had time. Well. Well, that's not really good enough, is it? You know, you said you'd do it. But what's going on beneath the surface? You know, why did that person not actually do it? Maybe, you know, understanding what, what's going on. Maybe they're a little bit worried about, you know, um, something that's going on in their personal life. Uh, maybe they don't have the resources, you know, to actually undertake the task. So, and, and they're feeling a little bit, you know, guilty about saying that. Uh, or, or feeling about that they may be exposed if they say they didn't actually know how to do that. So there's always feelings beneath the surface, but, so, but separating feelings from fact uh, would be useful from our point of view. So we can keep it based on facts and try and remove our own feelings as much as possible, but be aware the other person might have feelings and try and bring them back to the facts. That is going to take us a long way. And one of the best sort of uh, mantras I've picked up there from my good lady wife is uh, respond, don't react. So uh, react is feelings-based, respond is considered and thought-based and therefore fact-based. Hopefully, we might think things which are not factual, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, think it through before we react. So a respond, a response is different to a reaction. The next big area really is about personalizing and judging. And it's a little bit about having different expectations again, but um, you know, we all have biases, um, whether they're conscious biases that we know about or unconscious biases that we don't know about. And, and I, you know, I don't want to go too deep into this, a lot of psychology here, but we can ask ourselves, how would I like to be treated in the reverse situation? So, uh, you know, if we're dealing with something, it's not kind of going, we don't understand the other person, we don't understand where they're coming from, just think to ourselves, how would I like to be dealt with in this situation? Um, it's just a useful check, you know, is there something going on here within me or within them, actually, which is not apparent? Because um, you know, sometimes we we don't we don't know it's like the iceberg again. There's something going on under the surface. So I think you know, avoid judging, uh, labeling people. You are always this. Well, that's not very helpful actually. So try and avoid that. Um, you know, personalizing the situation that you know we're we're in business. So what's the problem? Okay. Um, what I'm going to ask the next point actually. Let's move on to that. So the next point is about attributing blame. You know, that's human nature, isn't it, to attribute blame? Well, it's not my fault, it's his fault. So um, if we focus on the problem and not the solution, then we're not going to get anywhere, basically. So what we need to do is flip that around. Okay, fine. What is the problem? 
right, I understand the problem. Now what's the solution and how can we work on the solution together? So then you start to move away from blame to move on to solving the problem uh, with the solution. And a kind of related point is to, um, and I picked this up from uh, one of the things I read, actually, I can't remember the source I'm about, but I think it's quite a common um, um, uh, attribute, I suppose, which is to attack the problem, not the person. So separate the problem from the person, in other words. Okay, what do we need to do here with this situation? Not, you know, little Johnny, you're, you, you've done it again, you idiot sort of thing. Um, so if you, if you pick on little Johnny, he's not going to be very happy. But you just pick up on the fact, okay, all right, um, you've just dropped, uh, you just dropped the eggs. So we need to mop up the eggs. Okay, Johnny dropped the eggs. Yes, okay, but let's not go there. The eggs are on the floor. It's made a mess. We need to mop up. I don't know why I'm talking about dropped eggs, but there we go. Just a silly example, I suppose. And then the third area, or oh, third area, the final area is what I call um, pursuing justice. And, you know, things go wrong. We're, you know, we're in difficult difficulty and someone's to blame and maybe we've lost something. And then we need, you know, perhaps ultimately we try to fix the problem. Perhaps it hasn't worked. Perhaps someone's let us down. And then we need to think, you know, we're probably thinking, well, I, I want justice here. And often justice means, um, you know, perhaps taking people to court or something like that, some kind of litigation, some kind of uh, conflict resolution uh, process. But I think before we do that, what I would suggest from, you know, a, long, a lot of experience is to weigh up the pros and cons. Um, now, we, we may have lost something and we may feel entitled. We may feel that we were owed something by that person and we want justice. But actually weigh out the pros and cons. Um, someone close to me, I'm not going to mention any names, uh, felt that they um, were constructively dismissed at work. They resigned, but they felt they were pushed into a corner for various reasons. And um, they spoke to me about, I think I'm going to pursue this as a tribunal. And I just relayed to them and said, listen, I kind of had something not identical, but slightly similar to me. I sold a business, actually. Sold a business, shares in a business, but I was still an employee of that company. And then um, <laughs> the, um, the owner of the business just sent me the P45. And I said, hang on a minute, we, I've sold you my shares, but I have, we haven't terminated my employment. Uh, we didn't actually discuss that. What do you want to do about it? Well, I, you're, you're gone. That's it. And I spent nine months um, going through a tribunal process, um, which technically uh, I was entitled to do, but ultimately I failed because I wasn't very well represented, basically. Uh, but it really consumed me. That's my point. I spent nine months sort of in, in, in this fight against, you know, the former, uh, the, well, the person who bought my business. And um, ultimately, it, it didn't prove fruitful. Uh, and I wasted a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of mind space, um, you know, fighting that, uh, that the particular um, case. So I recommended to the person I was just talking about that, I don't know, it's, you know, perhaps moving on is a better thing to do, um, you know, weigh up the pros and cons before you go ahead with that. Of course, we've got financial consequences, but non-financial as well. So I just talked about mind space. Um, sometimes, you know, if you're in dispute, you've got, um, you know, em emotions. You've got, you know, you just can't get things out of your head. You, you can't sleep. That then starts to affect our health. So you've got non-financial considerations as well as financial. And sometimes, a non well, probably always, the non-financial considerations actually are worth more um, ultimately. So, you know, think carefully. And uh, we've got this emotion investment as a talk. And then we've also got the opportunity cost. So if we pursue somebody in some area, well, we could be doing something else to 
overcome the problem in a different way, you know, make up for it in a different way. So um, there's the opportunity cost. What do we give up in order to pursue that or pursue them? So pursuing justice, if you like. And I, I guess, um, you know, some things perhaps need to be fought or, um, yes, with an F, fought. Uh, uh, but some things just need to be let go, actually. So let it go. He's quite a, uh, the film Let It Go talks wisely about some things we just need to let go so that we can move on. You know, and let karma <laughs> have its uh, place. Um, but, you know, equally, it's just maybe the best thing for us to let something go. So I guess in summary, um, I talked earlier about, you know, looking at problem situations or difficult situations in terms of property, finance, finances and people, maybe having some plans in place, certainly for the first two. And we talked a little bit about some of the principles in dealing with people as well. But in terms of dealing with difficult situations, you know, recognize that it's natural, recognize that we're different, recognize we're human and we have biases, we have feelings, we have, you know, our own thoughts and values, as we were talking about. Try and, you know, shift from focusing on, on blaming people to problem solving um, and, you know, really weigh up whether we actually will have the time, energy, inclination, mind space, emotional capacity and the financial resources to pursue justice. Um, because, you know, perhaps moving on is sometimes better than, uh, than having a fight. So there we go. Um, that's me covering what I can share in that sort of area. Obviously, I could talk probably a lot more. I could probably give lots of more specific examples. But I think in the interest of time for a, a podcast episode, hopefully that's giving you some context around this property core skill of uh, managing and understanding ourselves and others, or managing and understanding people. So hopefully we can reassemble the panel and get some really bright people who can sort of take that on another level, maybe dig a bit deeper into a couple of areas, maybe add, you know, some richness to this, this conversation. There you go. But I guess um, just to kind of draw some conclusion, the show notes are going to be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. If you'd like to understand anything from today's show, for example, Richard, you talked about, you know, this, where do I find it? please Google it first, but, you know, come to me second. Uh, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net is how you can reach me in person. Uh, if you want to talk about anything to do with property, you can reach me at that uh, email address as well. Going to have a bit of a mini break, so I'll be sort of on and off working, so don't expect a fast response. Um, in fact, probably probably don't expect a response for about a week or 10 days now, actually, because I'm going to take a break. There we go. So uh, I guess all that remains to said is thanks very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice Podcast, it's Jack Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice Podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.